Yeah. That. Yeah. I can't help it. I love but it. But I mean, if you, if you look at a good story. Yep. A good story is where you're painting the picture to the point where they can see it. Mm-hmm. And the more concise you can do that, the better. Got it. So in the I mean, um, you did that in the show that we did last week, um, the special one, mm-hmm. as you call it, um, and I was really, really grateful for your contribution in that episode because I said something that's provocative. Like I was saying, Hey, I don't, I don't think God cares if you're a wholehearted Christian or not. And I had a, I had a point to it and we went, we went into it. And when I'm, when I say wholehearted Christian, what I'm imagining is God doesn't care what plans you might make for him. He doesn't care that you're going to studiously do all these things in order to please him. That's, that's not the, it's not a work to please type relationship. Mm-hmm. And what you said was, yeah, what you do is you consider the relationship that you're in and it's not work to please. It's we're responding to what he's already done. And then you're like, and think about it. Praying every day is going to help you in that relationship for those with that motivation. And so is reading the Bible. And so are doing all the things that someone might think a wholehearted Christian would look like or do, but in context. And I thought it was so great because, you know, I would have just left it out all out there hanging and we potentially would have had a show where somebody could have listened and, walked away thinking, so what I do doesn't matter. And you made sure that that didn't happen. So it was like, I was still able to say what was on my heart. And then I had a valid point and we established it pretty good, I think. But I, I liked what you said because you kind of covered the bases and Mm -hmm. did it in a way that was complimentary to the discussion happening, but it also closed the gap on if somebody actually could walk away and say, yeah, so it doesn't really matter what we do. God doesn't care (laughs) about our actions. It's like, well, that would be wrong. (laughs) So I I, I love coming, coming out of that conversation. I, I was thinking to myself, what, like, I didn't know if I agreed with the statement. I don't think God cares if you're a hold hearted Christian. Like I'm sitting there thinking, well, at that point, like, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a wholehearted Christian? What did that mean to you specifically? So what that meant to me was in, uh, when I wake up, I'm going to read X amount of verses every single day. I'm going to make sure I pray this much, you know, at least every morning and at least every evening. And I'm going to, you know, whatever, whatever you do in the sense of, all right, I'm going to prove to God that I'm really serious. And it's kind of like, well, that's probably not your, your best goal. That's, 
yeah. something that you should put your actions first, regardless of how you feel. So if you know the right thing to do, you should do it, even if you don't feel like doing it. Yeah. But as far as being a wholehearted Christian, like I don't know what that exactly means, but it sounds like it's the kind of statement one would make when they're just beating themselves up and they're going to try really hard to do better. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, if you're already a Christian and your idea is, I got to do more, I got to be better, it's like, well, you probably are missing the boat on what you really need to do is learn how to hear and then be willing to be obedient when it's difficult. Yeah. And it's like you can do like the Pharisees all the stuff and not and, and not impress God somehow still. Because all of the stuff we could do, even if we're a monk, he's not sitting there like, now that's the kind of guy I like. <laughs> you know, he's like, well, you guys are all doing your best and different people have different ideas of what that is. And so being a wholehearted Christian, if that's your commitment, seems yeah. like it's sort of defined by you. And yes. that's like, God might bless it, might teach you a lesson, might, it's kind of like, well, why are you, it's like you're setting your agenda instead of figuring out his agenda and joining it. I don't know. Am I, I'm, I'm going, I'm trying a lot of things out to try and paint kind of a picture of what I was speaking against. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really... I really enjoyed that, and uh, I, I appreciate what you were saying about the. Uh, <laughs> My favorite part was your we were... face. <laughs> how so? As soon as I said that, I was like, "You were, uh... you were, you went." <laughs> what? <laughs> I took a screenshot of it, and uh, Rich sat back in his chair and was like. You have, your case. you have my attention. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's see you get out of this one. Yeah. <laughs> Defend yourself, Christian. Um, yeah, that's funny. I think I've heard it said, I've never actually heard this, but I've heard it said that in some black churches, the pastor will be talking, and in the while he's talking, uh, the parishioners will say, well, <laughs> and what they're saying is, try again. They, we don't agree with what you're currently saying. I think that's awesome. That is awesome. I, I've never well, been in a church where they do that. Yeah. I've been in church where I've thought it. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't able to participate in that part of last week's conversation because, or with Rich, I wasn't able to participate. I really haven't been to too many churches where I disagreed but have you been to a lot of different churches many. well well <laughs> um i i have been to different churches uh we whenever we go down south to visit sarah's family we'll we'll visit a ch different church but but that's individual sundays and and i'll go and visit churches here but but it's not a long-term thing and those will so. always be baptist right down south yeah I think so. I can't I think see. I think I can't see um, 
your I think family for the most part too far from Baptist. It's the only so. right one. <laughs> if it was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for That's us. That's right. That was John the Baptist Church. It was good enough for John the Baptist. It's good enough for us. I mean, he even put that church in his name. <laughs> oh, boy. So it's Thursday. <laughs> all day. It's last Thursday, all day. Thursday. Let's see. If, if there's one thing we could do to improve this show... It would be if only there was one audio being recorded. Then, <laughs> well, that's a good thing because we almost always do that. Then I could go in over top of you and ad lib what I want you to say. Yes. Dave, you're so funny. Yeah. You should say that again. Yeah. You're right. And then the Rainforest Cafe <laughs> was a hero move. <laughs> that wasn't embarrassing. Did you? Was that embarrassing? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you would be really hard to embarrass me. Oh. You could embarrass don't. me, but I mean, you'd be really hard to get to the point where I would be like, that's too personal. That Don't challenge me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's not out there. <laughs> don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm competitive. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not, it's not a challenge. <laughs> It's not a challenge, but it's um, you've got a lot of room. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, it's like we talked. You know, you say you think about the things that you did when you were a teenager that you're embarrassed by, and you would never yeah. want to. Like, you don't even want to address it still. And I think yeah. it's kind of funny because it doesn't matter how hor- horrific it was. It's like, well, I mean, that's not me now, so. I was yeah. I was just doing my best and it wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I just like to think that at some point during my life I made good decisions. Yeah, like now. Yeah, it's funny in a psychology class I took. They talked about how if we all have a inflated view of who we are. Like we all see ourselves as skinnier and more handsome and guys more do beautiful and and we all no everyone everyone sees themselves as better than they actually are uh they're you've got the best personality you're funnier like whatever it is your assessment of where you're at is higher than it really is wow that's discouraging and then he said and it's a good thing because if any of us really knew who we were, it would be just an entire society of people who are depressed, manic, depressed, you know, because you wouldn't be able to handle understanding where you really are. And everyone in the class just kind of like slumped in their seats. It's like, mm, you know. <laughs> And I'm looking around thinking, I don't know what's wrong with you losers, but I'm I'm still awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I feel like true. I've met people that are pretty down on themselves and they don't yeah. think they, they don't attempt things or try and get 
more than what they have because they just lack the confidence. And then I see him and I go, that person could just take over the world if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I think that's true as well. But uh, maybe that, maybe not that teacher. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he, maybe he just said that after recently seeing his uh, anonymous reviews. Yeah. All the students were like, yeah, he's okay. He doesn't seem like he knows what he's talking about sometimes. And then he goes into class. He's like, however good you think you are, you're not. <laughs> no one sees you the way you see yourself at all. <laughs> Do uh, Romans eleven twenty five through 36. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. You, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they were where they belong. So there's a lot of hope for the original chosen people. Yeah, and doesn't it sound kind of like it's a um, not a constant, but a bit of a back and forth relationship in a sense that he cut them off, but Hey, they can come back and the Gentiles, they can be grafted in and they can be cut off too. And if he, it's like, Hey, if I cut off my original, I'll certainly cut you off. Yeah. It's interesting how it's referring to these groups as sort of like a society. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not individual. It's uh it's, it's a group. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. I wonder what it would look like for a culture to be cut off. Well, I don't think it's talking about a entire culture representing a branch. I think it is talking about an individual. It's just saying it, no, it, it doesn't matter which culture that individual is coming from the jews used to claim exclusive rights to knowledge of god's word and god's law and they had it and in the fulfillment of the law it's saying well the jews didn't take it and so god's cut off a bunch of them it specifically says not all of them some of them believe but he's cut off a bunch and if you're you're not even from this tree, like you weren't part of the chosen people, you've never historically had that. But if you want to come over, you can be grafted in. But yeah. be careful, because if he cut off his original uh, chosen individuals, then mm -hmm. he'll certainly cut off you. And the reason why I thought that was so fascinating is because it's a lot like what my dad said. When we read Romans, so oftentimes we're thinking about saved, not saved. 
you know, yeah. you're grafted in, that means you're a Christian and you're going to go to heaven. And so if you're cut off, then you're not a Christian, you're going to go to hell. That's the implication. But I wonder if this is, you know, earlier Paul said, stop trying to decide who's going to go up to the heavens or, or fall down below the earth, because that's God's choice. That's, that's out of our, that's not in our purview to try and ascertain. But what we can do is we can be grafted in and have God's life and the Holy Spirit in us right now. It's available. You can be forgiven and you can be grafted into the tree of life. But if you don't, you know, if, if, if you do that and then kind of let it go, yeah, you'll be cut off, meaning you're, you're no longer tapped into the root. It says you're just a branch. You're not the root. And so it's, it's fascinating because this is probably used as an argument. You know, Paul's always used as the arguments for eternal security, eternal salvation. And, you know, when people debate whether or not you can lose your salvation or not, they're thinking about after you die. And what Paul seems to be explaining here is more about our tangible experience and our daily relationship with God and the Spirit. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting read. The uh, I don't know what I think about that. I don't think... So are you saying that... So, I mean, some people would read this and say, hey, it's it's talking about you're losing your salvation. You're not saying that, right? I'm not saying that. Okay. and But it sounds like you are saying that it's... Put it in a, put it in a sentence for me. Okay, well, when you say... Even, even when I said I'm not saying that, I almost need to take that back. Because um, it comes down to what is the definition of salvation, if salvation means an event after you die and pass from this earth, then I don't know. So I, I'm not, I can't tell you what, what is going to happen to someone else when that day happens. What I'm, what I'm suggesting that this verse is referring to is when you're saved in the sense the salvation that Paul is referring to is you're now, <clears throat> you've now got a new spirit. You were dead. And now you have a new spirit and you're alive and you can hear um, and understand the voice and the will of God. And you can now live out of a new spirit. And so you're saved. Like in this world, you're walking around, you're just a walking corpse. And all of a sudden, life has come into you. Now, if you ignore that and quench the Holy Spirit, well, it's like getting cut off from the tree. God will cut you off. And I don't, I don't know hmm. uh, what that means as far as what happens after you die if you've done that. I have no, I have no clue. But it yeah. seems pretty clear that something is happening where your relationship has been now given and then taken away. And so 
it's talking about salvation, but I think the salvation means more like a ongoing status than a uh, future passport. Gotcha. It's the only way it can yeah, make sense to me. So, I mean, we could definitely have that conversation, but I think that this specific thing is talking about how the the Gentiles mm-hmm. as a group mm-hmm. have now been grafted in and the Jews as a group mm-hmm. were were you know cut off and it's saying the Jews as a group can get grafted back in and that the Gentiles could get got off if if uh the, if they didn't obey so when I read it, I really do read into this that it's not talking about you, Dave, as an individual. Uh, and in context, I mean, it's talking about God's mercy on Israel and how they weren't listening, right? They, they had, you know, they, I think it was last week when we read that it was they have, have they heard Yes, they did hear. Mm-hmm. Did they understand what they heard? Yes, they understood, and and they and they ignored it. And so now, you have an this Gentile group being grafted in. And so now, but I think it's also in, I think if I took one major thing away from this, is that God really would love to graft the Jews back in. Mm-hmm. That the chosen people, he would be eager, it says, to graft the original branches in where they belong. And, and so when I read this, I see a longing in God's heart to restore that relationship with Israel. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that's, that's, that's where I see this set of verses going. Well, the trouble is. Um, that it says that not all the Jews were cut off. Yeah. So how do you interpret it as a group if it doesn't include the whole group? And how does it how does it work that the Gentiles as a group are grafted in? It's kind of like well, in the analogy, the what they're grafted into. Well, it's analogy. Yeah, in the analogy, what they're grafted into is God. You know, the, the mm-hmm. root, the the yeah. source of life. But the Gentiles as a whole weren't tapped into God and the Holy Spirit. They they ha- It's available to them, but um, are you seeing that I think all the Gentiles th- were somehow in and the Jews were out now? It's like they've reversed roles? Well, I mean, I think that is what he's saying, that in some ways they did reverse roles because... The Jews rejected Jesus, Israel rejected Jesus, and the uh, the Gentiles accepted him. I think, it, but it's an analogy again, right? So I think the purpose of the analogy is to show the relationship with the chosen people who rejected Jesus, and now the people who were the Gentiles and not chosen are now chosen, and but that God would love to restore that relationship with the original chosen people. Hmm. 
So, but um, yeah, I mean, that's how I understand it. Now, if it's really talking, if it's talking more towards, you know, our specific relationship with God and how we could get cut off, I mean, maybe there's something that I don't understand there. But uh, but with a plain reading, it feels like it's talking about the the Gentiles and Israel and how their their position is changing in light of Jesus Christ and and how they're responding to him and how God would love to restore that relationship with Israel. Hmm. So if I read this uh, passage and it talks about, you're grafted into the into the root and you've got now access to the nutrients and the life that's coming out of the ground because the root is the source and you know you can be cut off from that with your choices if you if you choose to walk out of it kind of makes sense and but then yes you can always be grafted back in it's not it's not a um it's not just a one time it's not just a one time thing. It's kind of a yeah. there's a bit of a back and forth relationship and I I don't know this is the first time in the Bible that I've seen it talked about in a way that I kind of relate but I understand that maybe that throws some theological wrenches, I don't know, but at my reading that's what I kind of got out of it. And if it's not correct, gotcha. if it's not correct, it kind of doesn't matter because it's it's an analogy that works for how I experience God. So, you know, if that's not what they intended, it's still conveying a sense of truth uh, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't seem like God to he he will judge a nation, but it it if that's what it's talking about, it just seems like a like a conversation took a turn where it's like, okay, he's judging Israel. He's putting Israel in Egypt for, you know, 600 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I'm sure there was still some good Israelites, you know, the whole country got judged. So if that's what he's talking about, just here on earth and which, which culture he's going to move in and work with, maybe it just seems kind of, I didn't, I didn't think about it from that perspective. So. Yeah. Um, it might work yeah. both ways, too. It might be an, an analogy that works at the macro and the micro. Yeah, and I mean, here's the deal. Like, this is the living word. So when you read it, you know, you're listening for the Holy Spirit and how it's going to be conveyed to you. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I don't personally have too much of a trouble... Uh, with, I'm I'm not stuck with one version of the Bible. Um, there are versions of the Bible that I prefer to read for different purposes. But ultimately, I'm reading to affect me. Right? I want it to speak into me. I want the Holy Spirit to use it f to my benefit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so, maybe that's the case here. Uh, what, what occurs to me is that you don't want to, um, 
you don't want to be having something experientially and then seek out when you're reading, have it, it's like confirmation bias. It's like, oh, I found something that's saying what I feel, mm-hmm. you know, right. that that's the only potential danger. Um, and so, but if it's the other way where it's like, I feel this and as I read this, God is speaking to me and, and giving me clarity. Well, that's, that's the goal. Um, I think that what you want is that relationship where you, where you are hearing God's voice and it's making you closer and, um, and having a better knowledge of who he is in your life. I think that's great. So, well, um, yeah, I don't know. I will tell you that I spent a lot of years, you know, even talking to you a lot and, you know, going to church and going to Bible studies and attempting to regain because I knew I felt something was lost from before. Yeah. That I had a, a very close walk with God in Texas. And then um, sort of actually walked away. Like sort of had a moment in time where I was like, I can't keep doing this. It's too difficult. And then several years later, trying to get back. And you can testify that I did, I spent a lot of energy and a lot of thought and dragged you through a lot of hours of conversation really to no, uh, no productive end, even though I was trying. I saw, I saw every day you changing from my perspective Every time we spoke, you were changing. Yeah, but I mean... For years. Really? Well, it was like, I mean, I remember doing the Bible study, and it's like, <laughs> they made me the leader. And I was like, wow, in the past, I used to always want to be the leader, and now I don't want to be the leader, but they're asking me to, and it's all just my head knowledge. And I went home every single time after the Bible study, pretty much discouraged, like I was faking they didn't care and but i was still like trying but all i can say is it was all my own effort even if you say i was changing that's that's great but it was all outward attempts and you know it was different in february it was like in february yeah. i got grafted back in and all of a sudden there was a new source of life and new eyes and new understanding and a totally different like to me, it was a 180 moment. Um, yeah. And so, like, all the incremental improvements for the two years or whatever was, like, 3%. And then <laughs> then in February, it was like, oh, here we go. 97. Yeah, it was like, that's the rest of it that I, that I needed. So I I kind of think that when I go, when I get to heaven, I'm going to see that, yeah, that was, uh, 
I screwed up in 2011 and that's a hard, that's hard to come back from, but he grafted me back in. Yes. Yeah. I, I can see that. And I do think that we do numb ourselves to the Holy Spirit when we're, you know, not seeking him and, and, and heading down the flesh, the road of the flesh, you know, yeah. I think that does, uh, the highway to does. hell, <laughs> the road of the flesh yeah. is, is, uh, not as cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, <true. laughs> that's, that's true. Um, there will never be a song road about the to road the to flesh. the flesh, no. <laughs> but, um, you should write a song road to the flesh. Road to the flesh. Or road of the flesh. Yes. Road to the flesh. Road of the flesh. That, that's a different yeah, road. that's a different road. <laughs> they might go the same yeah, I mean, direction, it's, however. It's adjacent. <laughs> it's not, you're not way off. They're, they're, they're pretty parallel. <laughs> One's a service highway for the other. <laughs> And so I was struggling because it's like, all right, like, what do I, what, the, what do I want? What's the content here? Like, would it be better to have a conversation about how you experience God or is it better to establish that what this is saying isn't, well, at least from my perspective, that this this is saying a little something a little different. Yeah. So, well, I mean, definitely. So I definitely say what you think is uh, not right because you know I'll argue. I mean, yeah. Like I I don't uh, I don't just take it lying down. I mean, I if I think it like I I we just read this and we get different things. Yeah. Because I well I don't see this as a cultural group analogy at all and so you see it as a more of a group than an individual so those are those are two completely different interpretations of a passage and i just don't have a dog in the fight like i'm not passionate or upset and it's like well i could be wrong but it's just not how i read it and so it's kind of like well if somebody says, here's what this verse means and something completely different than what I thought, you out of it. then yep. you go, well, I don't know how to talk about that. So I'll just talk about what I thought it meant. And then you yep. say, yeah, you're wrong. It's, this is what it means. And I've got the footnotes to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, I'll lose, but that's okay. I don't need to be right. I just, that's really what I thought it was. It wasn't me trying to extrapolate and talk about myself it was like well that's just what i thought and it makes sense and it makes sense to me in a personal context so it's kind of like to me it didn't seem like as much of a mystery it's like okay that's interesting although it does put in the idea that the holy spirit comes and goes and i will say that there's probably theologians that'll disagree with it but i tell you what I've had it. I've had the Holy Spirit 
regularly in Texas, and then nine years of nothing, and some of those years actively wishing and trying to get it back and not knowing how. So it does seem like yeah. it can't be manipulated, and God does seem to kind of cut people off, especially yeah. ones that walk away, like me. So it's kind of like, um, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know how to say that other than, well, if this verse means what I thought it meant when I read it, yeah, then that makes sense. But I think it probably will brussel some feathers because it's like, well, no, that's not how God acts. That's not how it works. You're, you're, you either always have it or you always don't. And it's kind of like, yeah, maybe I, I tend to think it's, I tend to think there is a back and forth. And then as far as what happens when you die, heck if I know. I suspect that it is, it's not that the Holy Spirit leaves. But it's that the Holy Spirit is not evident to you. Okay. And the reason I say that is because you have David, who definitely uh, the Holy he had the Holy Spirit. The Bible says so. Um, he was given the Holy Spirit when he was younger. Hmm. And then there's times in the Psalms where he's saying, "Please don't take the Holy Spirit from me." Yeah. But. But the also in the Psalms, he's saying, I can't hear you. You know, I want to hear you, but I can't. Yeah. Um, and so I think that is very much what we experience, that there's definitely times where I hear and feel and experience the Holy Spirit. There are definite times where I feel like, oh, man, it's just not present. I don't hear him right now. Um and we're told that we have the Holy Spirit, just like David did. So it's a very interesting thing. But, you know, David was afraid he would lose the Holy Spirit because of what he did with Bathsheba. And, uh, and, and he didn't. He didn't lose it. But, uh, but he definitely felt the, the lack of fellowship. And so I, I think somewhere in what David experienced, King David, mm -hmm. is similar to what Dave Thompson experienced. 